renewed day by day. And we thank you, Lord, for the wisdom and knowledge that you grant us. That, Lord, that we might know how we ought to live and behave each and every day. And, Lord, we pray your blessing. That as your word go forth, that you would honor your word. And your word will accomplish that which you so desire. Lord, we commit this service into your hands. And into that which you desire to do in each and every one of our lives. Speak to us, Lord. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Ah. I was going through some more things because we're going to look at this thing a little bit of building relationships. Because marriage is just that. It's building a relationship. But every relationship has certain bases that are the same. Uh, in the marriage, they're looking for loyalty and security. In just an everyday relationship, guess what people are looking for? <laughs> Somebody who will be loyal and they can sense a sense of safety and security around. But relationships are something that people have to work on. It's something that you have to build. And sometimes it's not so much what's happening to you. The issue is how are you going to respond? Beverly, did you know Granddaddy Corbett? Does that name sound familiar to you, Granddaddy Corbett? Yeah, Barberton. He was the founder of Allen Chapel Church, Methodist Church in Barberton. And Granddaddy Corbett was my Sunday school teacher from age 8 to about 11 years old. Now, Granddaddy Corbett couldn't read, <laughs> nor could he write. But he could tell some fantastic stories. But he also loved the Lord. He couldn't read the Bible, but he had memorized as much as he could of what the pastor or preachers have said about Scripture. But what I want you to catch from these two individuals' lives because there was one by, also by the name of Alice Brown that lived here in Akron. They were both former slaves born just a few years before the Civil War broke out. One died in 1956, the other one died in 1957. I wish I had the full account of the series that the Beacon Journal ran on them. But I want you to hear just a little bit about the relationship between them and what would be called their former masters. Because it's important that you understand that you have the choice to determine how your relationship is going to be. You have that choice. Sister Brown, Alice Brown wrote, or stated to the writer, despite such threats, Brown maintained that she was treated fairly well for a slave. 
Both of us, my master and his family, and me and my family, use good manners, she said. How do you use good manners back then? But they said, boy, both of them had a certain what? Respect for each other. She even expressed fondness for the master's wife who she said was kind to her. And after the war, when they told my mom, who worked in the big house, that we were free, I cried. I cried. Can you imagine a person crying because they have to leave somebody that they are serving and so forth? Says that she cried. But Granddaddy Corbett... He says, COVID noted that he too had been treated better than most slaves. I bless my old master today and pray he rest in peace. You think he had a relationship with the Lord? May not have known a lot, may not have been able to read. But he said, Boy, I pray for my master. And that whole thing, boy, I bless my old master today and pray he rest in peace. And that whole thing is their relationship. Their relationship. And some of us may sit and say, well, they have a right to be bitter. They have a right to lash back out. In a relationship, you never have the right to treat the other person wrongly. You never have that right to treat the other person wrongly. Nor do you have the right in relationship to try to get the advantage over someone. That it works out for you because at that point, you are no longer looking out for, in a sense, even their best interest. You are looking out only for whose best interest? Yourself. Yourself. And what we have to recognize is that in building our relationships, we have a choice. We can build them from a humanistic manner or we can build them on the grounds and the foundation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. We build relationships. And if this relationship is not right, all these relationships over here will be wrong. If your relationship with the Godhead is not upheld, and if you're not walking in an upright manner with God, with the Lord Jesus Christ, and with the Holy Spirit, with the Godhead, if you yourself are not living in accordance with the standards of God, everything over here is going to be messed up. Everything. 
And you're going to struggle with it. And the evidence of the struggle comes around that, boy, is that it's not in accordance to the will of God. And whenever we step out of God's will, we start having issues and problems. No matter who we are, where we come from. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 4. 1 through 6. He says, So then men ought to regard us as servants of Christ, and as those entrusted with the secret things of God. Do you carry about in yourself the treasures of God? He says, boy, you're, you're these earthly vessels made of clay that God has made a deposit into. God has deposited his word into you. And that you have his word that he's entrusted in your life that you might participate with him in showing people that his word works. That his promises are sure. And that in life, that's where you take your comfort. And you allow that word of God to be the foundation of everything you do. Of everything you do. He goes on, he says, Boy, now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove as though you're being tested. You must prove yourself now faithful to that which God has entrusted into your life. Now how does God prove your faithfulness? Ask yourself that question. How does God prove your faithfulness? Now, understand this. God is not giving you a test or testing you for that he can find out what your reaction is going to be. God's not testing you to see, boy, if you're going to follow through with his word or if you're not going to follow, if you're going to pick up your own philosophy, if you're going to hear the... Uh, the wisdom of this earthly world. God's not testing you. God already what? Who doesn't know? Because the heart is deceitfully wicked and who can know it but who? But see, you don't even know your own heart even though you think you know your own heart. So what God begins to do by putting you in the pressure cooker, whether it be a marriage and marriage is a pressure cooker. Okay. It'll put pressures from both ends. What do I mean by both ends? Do I, don't I? Do I, don't I? <laughs> you know. And it puts that pressure there. In relationships with friends, you have that same pressure. Do I, don't I? The difference is with a friend, you can simply say what? Bye. <laughs> 
Even with an employer, you can just say, bye. And therefore, God created this thing called marriage because marriage is the foundational part for all relationships. For all relationships. Where did I get that from? Adam and Eve. They had to deal with who? Each other, nobody else. Nobody else. Now ask yourself this question. If you're married, who do you spend more time with than anybody else? And I'm going to say include the sleeping time because for some of us, we would not spend that much time with our wives and we wouldn't sleep in what? <laughs> Next to them. Okay. But it's still time. It's still part of that 24 hours. Okay. And sometimes you have to fight to get the time to spend. You have to fight to spend time sometimes with your children. Sometimes you've got to spend, you got to fight to get time to spend with your close friends or with your relatives. You've got to fight for that time. Because relationships are tough. Relationships are hard. My hardest relationships are within my own family. My brothers, those are some tough relationships because of our different view about life and our standards. Some tough relationships. But whenever we need each other, we're there. But boy, could it be a lot closer? Yes. Yes. But that relationship always depends on God directing me in my relationship. And when you get in there, you'll see Jesus Christ had a rough relationship with his brothers. (laughs) You can see some of that. (laughs) You can see relationship issues that take place in the Bible with different individuals. You can see that with David and his son. You can see that with Adam, Eve, and their two kids, and even the children that follow. You can see that relationship struggle even with Lot and his daughters and and, and different individuals. You can see those relationship issues. You can see that with Joseph and his brothers. Those are real issues that are taking place in real life. But whenever you have that relationship with you and God, right? And this is the difference here. The fault most likely of the relationships breaking down over here will not be your fault. When these relationships begin to break down, if this relationship is proper and right, when this begins to crumble and break down, it won't be your fault. Every relationship, just because it is a relationship, 
has the possibility of failures and disappointments. Of failures and disappointments. Now I'm going to bring you back to this one. Precious Lord, take my hand. Lord, hold on. Hold on to me. Now, the question I'm going to ask you is this. In this relationship, who is really faithful? God. If you're honest with yourself, the one who is really faithful is God. Boy, I can tell you from my own personal life, I have fell many, many times in this relationship. And what kept this relationship together is not me. It's him. It's him. The difference in this relationship going this way if I understand something, in this relationship between man, between humanity, there is failure in both of us. And the issue is, can I overcome the failures in the other person? And can that person overcome the failures that are in me? Because we're going to see each other's failures if we're really close. (laughs) We're going to see each other's failures. Now what will tie this together here is if this line here is very strong and those that you are having relationships with are really tied to God because God becomes that connecting part that holds the two together. God does. God does. How many of you have ever been in a relationship that you say was strenuous, hard, <laughs> difficult? <laughs> and when you look at it, sometimes you say, only by the grace of God. <laughs> and And that's because God is that connecting force that keeps the two together. Even in the midst, now understand this, even in the midst of the struggle time. If you got a best friend, you two have struggled. And while I'm on that, my wife is not my best friend, she's my wife. Not my best friend. My wife is not my better part. Either I'm whole in this relationship or I'm not. Because if I got something else that gotta make me better, that's a problem. Or if I gotta make her better, that's a problem. It's this Godhead that is working in both of our lives to make us better as a husband, as a father, as a friend, 
as an employer, employee, as a wife, as a mother, as a friend. It's God who's working. And all those different relationships. That's why he shows those different relationships in his word. In his word. He shows them to us. Now, he goes on just a little further there. He says, Now it is required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. We have to be proven faithful in each and every one of these relationships. I got to be proven faithful, not only as a husband, but also as a father. Not only as a father, but also as a friend. Not also as a friend, but also as someone who is employed by somebody else. Am I faithful to them? Am I stealing from them? If I can steal from my employer, I'm going to steal from my wife. If I steal from my wife, I'm going to steal from my mom and dad. If I have the habit of stealing, I'm going to steal, and it doesn't matter who it might And he says, you have to prove yourself faithful in all these different type of relationships that you are encountering. And he goes on, he says, I care very little if I am judged by you or any human court indeed. Look what, and since Paul did, he took the weight off of who? Himself. He was not going to allow man to judge him in this. He took the weight off himself and basically said, I don't care what you think. I have one who's going to judge me that is far greater than you. So he removes that weight because he understands the final one who has to speak to his heart either to condemn him or to set him free, is not man, it's God. And therefore he says, it doesn't matter what you're saying. It's important to me of what God will say. What God will say. He says, I care very little. I am judged by you or any human court indeed. I do not even judge myself. My conscience is clear. But that does not make me innocent. Therefore, judge nothing before the appointed time. Wait till the Lord comes. He will bring to light what is hidden in darkness. And will expose the motives of men's what? Yeah. He will expose your real motive. He will expose your real rationality. For your actions. For your decisions. He will expose. He will show forth. And he ends in this, he says, What is hidden in darkness and will expose the motive of men's heart, at that time each will receive his praise from who? From God. How many of you are looking to hear well done by God? Well done in this role. 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 Because you're in different roles. You're in different seasons of life. And are you designed to hear, well done? 
Relationships are a test of your real character. I'm going to let you look at the rest of those verses. Relationships are a test of your real character. And you need to understand that. Because, see, in that relationship, you're not in a relationship that God himself has not allowed or ordained. Now, let me hide with that. In marriage, marriage is not made in heaven. (laughs) What God gives in marriage and in everyday relationships is this. He gives you the freedom to choose. He gives you the freedom to choose. Now that's the important part when you're young to really get into the Word. Why? It allows you to begin to read upon that which you're going to look for in later life. That you have some idea of what you're looking for. Before some of you buy a car, do you uh, look up that car? Do you look up how many lemons or look up what might be the trouble? Or do you study it at all? Uh, before you sometime buy a computer, do you study something about that computer? Do you look it up and so forth? Uh, see, we don't do, we don't scrutinize a future mate as much as we do in just buying a laptop. Or purchasing a car. And we ought to. We ought to. We should really scrutinize. We should take a good look at who we're choosing to walk through life with. And oftentimes, it's the infatuation and the thing of, I think I love them. You don't know you love a person until you know how great you will allow a person to hurt you. Where do I get that concept? And I share it in marital counseling. Look at the cross. Look at the cross. And yet, he loved me. He loved me while he was yet dying for me. He loved me while I was cursing his name. He loved me while I was denying him and rejecting him. He loved me. You won't know how much you really love someone until you also have a little understanding of how much you will allow that person to hurt you. It is a place in relationships where you learn how to trust God. You won't know if you really trust God until you allow yourself to step into relationship knowing that people are not perfect, but you're trusting God that this is a person you can talk to. This is a person that you can be intimate with. This is a person you can grow close to. This is a person that the two of you are willing to grow together. It is a place where you learn to trust God. 
It's a learning of self-giving. Oftentimes in relationships, even in the marriage relationship, it's a give me, give me, give me type of relationship. And sometimes people don't catch that, catch that until later on in the relationship. I'm doing all the giving, but I'm not doing any of the getting. And that causes a problem within. That I'm always having to fill up the other person's cup, but who fills up my cup? They can run around on full, while I'm running around on a half a tank, trying to exist. Who fills my cup? And I want to answer that for you. The Lord. Because it is the Lord who says to all of us to die to self. And when we're willing to die to self, then God's willing to fill us that we can meet whatever the obligations that we might have in a relationship. And sometimes it can be hurtful, painful. But boy, he fills me. He takes care of it. Because in the relationship, you're going to learn how to deny yourself. That's the only place you really learn how to deny yourself. Only place is in relationship with people. And especially in relationship in marriage. You learn how to deny. You learn how to let go. You learn how to sacrifice for somebody else other than who? Yourself. Yourself. That's the training ground that God has put in place. That in this relationship called marriage, in this relationship with friends and even with children, and where you're learning how to sacrifice and die to yourself and deny to yourself that you might be a blessing and a benefit to somebody else. And boy, that's hard sometimes. That's difficult. But in it all, what's happening in these things called relationship is that you yourself, are producing the likeness of Christ. Either it's being produced or it's not. The likeness of Christ is being produced as a father, as a husband, as a friend, as an employer, as an employee. That is all working on my benefit to make me into the image of Christ. Oftentimes we take it as just as this one little area. It's all these little areas of life that I'm being developed in in order that I might be like Christ and have this mind of Christ. Now, a happy relationship involves a much greater challenge than finding a person who I think I can spend the rest of my life with and I'm going to be happy with and it's going to be joyful. It's a much greater, greater challenge than that. Because of some strange chemistry, though, we think, that has drawn us together, that that's going to hold us. 
Understand this. Are you up to the greater challenges? Are you up to the greater challenges in relationship? Because often what you purchase is not really what you think it is. And somewhere down the road you go, surprise! (laughs) And what you're learning in relationship is this. You have the opportunity to discover. You're discovering another person's life. They're discovering you. Whether in the marriage or in a relationship, you begin to discover the feelings of each other, the loyalty of each other, how close this relationship will be. You begin to discover things about the other person. And boy, sometimes that can be shocking. Because what you discover is not what you assumed. And oftentimes what we assume, we put as being correct, and it's going to be right, and it's going to come to pass. And therefore, what we're assuming allows us to override the reality of what we see. Because my assumption replaces truth. We say it sometime in this way. I gave them the benefit of the situation. (laughs) Well, the situation is saying this. This is what really happened. I deny it. And the way I covered up is that I gave them the benefit of it. Rather than dealing with what? The truth of it. But what you need to understand that in a relationship, in a marriage relationship, in a mother-daughter relationship, in a father-son relationship, in parental relationship to children, you are on an adventure of discovering. You raise somebody in your home and one day something happens, you say, where'd that come from? Never saw that coming. Didn't expect that. (laughs) You're discovering. You're discovering. You're discovering. Marriage and relationship or relationship is always two people or a group making many choices. Choices can be good or bad. Making adjustment in life as free individuals who deliberately choose now underline that you have to deliberately choose to work through the problems you have to deliberately choose to work through your issues through your circumstances you have to deliberately choose to do that If you do not make that decision, then you will make the other decision 
And I, I kind of like titled it in my counseling sometime as a runner. Because for us sometimes it's easier to run than to work it out. It's easier to run. Because in life we have this thing that says, when I'm full up to here. Now what 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 does that mean? <laughs> but somehow when it taps out, when I don't have any more patience, I don't have any more to give, when when I'm sensing a helplessness or an emptiness, then it's time. Then it's time. Then it's time. And that's why I said it's deliberately choosing to work through it. And continuously making personal sacrifices. You have to be willing to make sacrifice for the interest of the other person. Not just yourself. Now, because you make sacrifices, and here comes the hard part. Because you make sacrifices in a relationship, it does not mean it will change the other person. Oftentimes we think if we just give of ourselves, we give of ourselves, we give of ourselves, that the other person somehow will magically wake up and appreciate what you're doing. And you have to understand that that person has the freedom to choose just like who? You do. And that's the hard part. Because we have this thing that says, I've given it all. I've given it all. What else could I do? I've given it all. Well, you've given it all based on this fact. You're trying to awaken the other person to your needs or to deal with issues. Not understanding you cannot control who? The other person. You cannot control the other person. It is God that has to awaken. It is God that has to work. And they have to have antennas out that they truly do want to listen and hear from the Lord. Go to 1 Corinthians 6.12. 1 Corinthians 6.12. And they have to take in account of how this will affect them even. We are both free. Remember as we talked about who you are last week? That Adam and Eve were both free in their role to function. People are free in their role as a friend, as a mate, as an employer, as this, as that. They're free to function. As they want to function. Now it may not always be to your benefit. It may not always be good for you. But what will matter is this. How you respond. Is how you're responding. So he says in that verse 12. 
Everything is permissible for me. So a person is free to do what? Anything they want to do. You're free to be a fornicator. You're free to be an adulteress. You're free to be an alcoholic. You're free to be a drug addict. You're free to be any of this. You're free to do. You're free to have a vile mouth. You're free. Everything is permissible for me, but not everything is beneficial. Now, that's where I begin to what? Really look at the value of a relationship. That's when I really begin to look at the value of a friend. That's when I really begin to look at the value of the place where I'm employed. Or my employer and the employer, the value of the employee. Is it beneficial for me? Hey. And the only person who can answer that question is you. That's what makes sometimes diff- so difficult with relationships. Because, see, when you're in that relationship, how's it really benefiting you? How's it really blessing you? How's it really helping you? How's it encouraging you? How's it building you up? How is it fulfilling? But not everything is beneficial. So you got to really weigh it. You got to weigh it. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Hear what he's saying. I won't be caught under the controls of my circumstances. I will not allow my circumstances to control me. I'm going to allow the Holy Spirit to do the controlling. I'm going to allow the Word of God to be a light unto my path and guide me. I'm not going to allow my circumstances, my problems, my troubles, and whatever it might be, to really be the thing that I make my decisions on. I'm going to make it from a godly perspective, under godly counsel, and time in prayer with God. Now that's going to be a hard one for us when we go to divorce. But boy, there's some things in there that we really need to look at because even in Mark, the Lord puts it in like a two-edged sword there. Because when he says, don't let man put us under, on one mouth he is saying, yes, this is what marriage is. On the other mouth he's saying, man can destroy it. Man can cut it in half. And he says, boy, I won't allow this or my circumstances or my problems to master me or control me. I'm not going to allow that. See, in your relationships, whatever relationship it might be, the marriage, the friend, the employee, employer, the parent, children, 
Don't allow the circumstances to be in control of your feelings. Don't allow them to control your emotions. You ever hear people say, I wish I wouldn't have done it. But at the moment, the emotions went what? Running off. And we're following the emotions more than we're following the Word of God. Now, go to 1 Corinthians 10, 23. Just, same thing, but just a little bit different. 1 Corinthians 10, 23. He, he, he shares here, everything is permissible, but not everything is beneficial. Same thing. But he says, everything is permissible, but not everything is what? Constructive. Everything that you might do is not going to build that relationship and you ought to be looking, how can I build it? Understand that some of those things you have to let go of. Because one person brings trash into the marriage don't mean you have to bring what? Trash into the marriage. Because one friend, boy, he got a foul mouth don't mean if I'm going to associate with them, i got to have a foul mouth. I have to ask myself, what is constructive? What will build it? What will make it better? What will make even he or she better? And those are difficult questions to ask and then to answer. Those are difficult. I made a mistake as a young man. I was an elder at Stowe. And I went out to a house out in Jackson Township because the person was under my care as a group. And when I got there, the lip was busted, the eye was blackened. Just a mess. And my dumb advice was, if God can keep the Hebrew children in the fire, he can keep you. Now, quoting scripture, shouldn't that be right? But see, I'm not taking the bow, the blows. I'm not the one with the black eye. I'm not the one with the busted lip. And sometimes when some things aren't happening to us, we can quote scripture all over the place. But boy, let it happen to me. (laughs) Rather than thinking first of her protection, getting her to a safe place, because that's what was important. That should have been step number one, but wasn't trained that way. Experience have taught now. First thing to do when you see that, find a safe place. Safe place. I want you to understand something. I've learned that has to go both ways. Because sometimes you've got to find a safe place for the male. Hey. 
And that whole process is, boy, is it constructive? Is it something that's going to really build my action, my attitude? Will it build the relationship? I will not let the problem or the circumstance rule my life. Because, see, either the Holy Spirit's going to rule, or I'm going to allow what? The circumstances rule my life. Is it constructive for all that's involved? You cannot just think of just the one individual, but you've got to think of both. Is it going to be beneficial to both? And the Lord tells us that we treat our neighbor, we love our neighbors as we what? Love ourselves. He kind of ties it there together. If I don't really love me and care about me, it's going to be very difficult and very hard for me to take care of someone else. Let me put it in this framework. If I'm not whole, it's difficult for me to really minister to somebody else. I have to be whole for me to minister to somebody else. Now, the marriage relationship is a declaration and a demonstration of your love for God. Not so much the love for each other, but your love for God. And what you're demonstrating that You love God by keeping his commandments in the relationship. How you're caring for one another. How you love one another. And that's why scripture, God isn't asking a man to love his wife. God is commanding a man to love his wife because God knows a man really doesn't love That's a hard one. For men, love is difficult. Love is difficult. And therefore, God commands me to love. And then, when he commands me to love, he gives me the demonstration of Christ caring for his church. Therefore, And my command of love, my love is to care for my wife as Christ loveth the church and my family as Christ takes care of the family of the church, as Christ takes care of friends. He demonstrates that, that I'm caring for. I'm caring for. Now, I don't want to say love doesn't happen. It comes as the journey progresses. It comes as the journey progresses. And as I said last week, love is one of those things that is so difficult to describe. It's so difficult, so complex to describe. But in it, this is what is declared. Do you really love God? And because you love God, 
you keep his commands. Because I love God, Elaine will be secure. Because I love God, all that I do will be because, boy, of her. She's never out of my thoughts when I'm making decisions. She's there. Because when God is making a decision about his church, guess who's there? Me. Me. You're there. Second, in the relationship, whether it be marriage, friends, employer, employee, whatever that relationship might be, parent, child, the question is this. Will you seek for biblical guidance? Will you seek for biblical guidance? And then will you allow the Holy Spirit to guide you into truth? Will you seek for the comfort of God or the comfort of man? Would you seek for the peace of God? Or are you going to look for the peace of man? Are you going to look for God to give you solid directions? Or are you going to hear the counsel of friends and relatives? Or will you really allow the Bible to be your guide? In the relationship. Not just in times of trouble. But also in the times of joy. It's how you learn to respond to each other. On a day by day. Hour by hour. You're learning to respond to each other. You're learning to respond to your boss. Or your master. Or your foreman. Or your supervisor. Because of what scripture says. You're learning how to respond to your parents. Oh, I want to get out the house. I'm close to 18. I'm 16. I'm 15 years old. I only got three more. I'm out of here when I. Two days after 18, knocking on the door. Can I come in? Will you allow the Bible to be your guide? Now, circumstances or events in marriage and relationships, they are going to change. How many of you understand that? Things are going to change. In relationship, things are going to change. And with the change, your feelings will change. Your feelings will not remain the same. Believe me. Your feelings can overwhelm you. Your feelings can make you feel helpless. And your emotions can be overcome. And they can be crushed in trying to make the decision. Do I? Don't I? Do I? Don't I? 
those emotions can be crushed. And it's like you're in a wilderness. I'm for it, I'm against it. I'm for it, I'm against it. I'm going to stay, I'm going to go. I'm going to give him another chance, give her another chance. Situations and circumstances sometimes can be a crushing event in life. And I think what happens in this whole process, I want you to understand me here now, is that we have lost the ability to understand. We have lost the ability to seek understanding because we're more anxious to seek our own satisfaction than to seek understanding of how this has come about. Understanding of my own reactions, my own emotions, and the understanding of the other person. Sometimes pain can become so difficult, we don't want the understanding, we just want what? Over! Over! The doctor once told me, when your back gets so bad, Mr. Brown, you'll come ask me to do the surgery. I'm not going to ask you no more. And he was right. Because, boy, that pain going down this leg got so bad, if I could have cut it off myself, it would have been off. And at that point, boy, no more pain. I'll go to surgery. And in relationships, sometimes relationships have to be taken into surgery. And sometime in the surgery, it can be saved or have to be a cutting off. Marriage is the most rewarding and, that, and the most difficult relationship a person can be involved in. And the next one is personal relationship with other people. Now ask yourself this. Why is it that most of us only have really two or three friends and everybody else is an acquaintance? It used to be friendships were developed all the way down the street. <laughs> Both ends. It's good if you know the one neighbor to the left and to the right. <laughs> because we have become a people who do not like the stress of relationships. Because relationships are stressful. Are stressful. All of them. They're stressful. But you can overcome them. You can overcome them. All relationships, and this is the part that is the breakdown. All relationships demand understanding. All relationships demand understanding. And if you're not willing to seek the understanding 
of another person, you're not going to really develop a strong relationship. Even parents have to learn how to understand their children and the mood swings and the experiences of what their children go through and the fears of their children that are oftentimes hidden on the inside and the pain and the hurt. It's so easy for us to say to people, get over it. Well, get over it is saying, I'm not willing to really explore it and have understanding of how you are living and getting alone and how you are responding. I just want to say, just get over it. <laughs> Let's get on with life. <laughs> but then there's no understanding. And people crave for understanding. They want to be understood why they are responding in certain ways. They really do want to be understood. All relationships are demanding. And no one person can satisfy all of the other person's needs. And somewhere in the marriage relationship, we lost that truth. Because we're expecting the mate to take care of all of my what? Yeah. And you can't do it. You're limited. God purposely made you limited. Even as a parent, you would like to supply all your child's needs, but you can't. You like to supply all your mate's need, but you can't. You, you like to supply all the needs of your best friend, but you can't. We're limited. And that's where the person has to be willing to allow God to step in to meet that need because the only one who can is God. God designed it that way. That he would always have an entrance point for that when, boy, when it comes to a certain place in life, nobody else can meet that need but God. And I cry out, God help me! Because nobody else can. Nobody else can. Now, in the relationships, oftentimes we enter in relationships blinded to the point that there are possibilities of failures and disappointments. There are going to be landmines that are going to explode. There are going to be the unexpected that you never planned on. There's going to be things that are going to take place in that relationship that in reality neither one of us are prepared for. Nor do we even know how to approach it or handle it. But if you're willing to stick it out, there's one who is able to guide you through it. But you have to be willing to listen and here's the other big word, surrender. Listen, surrender. Listen, surrender. Because if you are not willing to surrender, you can have all knowledge, 
but do not act upon it. (laughs) Some of the things that we need to understand. In the marriage, before the marriage. In the marriage, before the marriage. Before a relationship, in a relationship. With children, while they are yet at home, while they're out of the home. Learn the background of the people that you are going to step into a relationship with. Learn their background. Learn as much as you can about that person. Understand their fears if possible. Now understand something. People will lock up on you because they want you to see what? (laughs) Yeah. And you got to learn what's the combination lock in order to unlock it. You can't break in. You can't forcefully make them do. But they will give you, in a sense, a combination of how to unlock the lock. And then sometime you have to ask, can we talk about this? And if they say no, then there's no at this point. And the thing that you want to do is give them the opportunity for catharsism of letting it out. Of letting it out. But when it comes out, don't act all surprised. (laughs) Nor do you show a high disappointment. Because what you're there to do is listen to their story. Listen to their journey. Listen to what might cause them to respond the way they respond. That you know how to act towards them. You want to have an understanding how they were raised, what they went through during that childhood, teenage years, young adult years. You need to have that under. We had a man that was 42 years old at the men's house. The other group from the, I'm sorry, he was a Mennonite, from a Mennonite family, southern part of Ohio. Had a twin brother. At 16 years old, remember, he's 42 years old. At 16 years old on the farm, he did something that cost the life of his twin brother. Not intentionally, but by accident. And from that point on, it put a gap between him and his father. And at 22, he left home. Fell out with God because it seemed like God didn't fix it. And somehow, 41, 42 years old, he winds up with us at the men's house. 
begin to hear some of his story. Some of his problems, what causes him to drink. The problem, why aren't you talking to your parents? If they're still alive, why don't you talk to them? Why aren't they coming around? Why? And he finally just broke one day and told me, between him and his dad, the relationship. And I asked permission if I could call his dad. And I called his dad. And his dad had not heard from him for over 10 years. And his dad and mom got in their car, drove up here, and started rebuilding a relationship. And finally at the men's house one day, (laughs) he called and he said, Pastor Brown, I don't need the room anymore. I'm going home. (laughs) I'm going home. But to understand him, to understand the pain and the guilt that he was carrying over an accident of killing his twin brother. To understand the pain and the hurt of this separation between him and his father. To understand the pain and the hurt of being in somewhat, even though he did it himself, ostracized from his so-called religion, from being part of the Mennonite, because he would love to be in the Mennonite church. He loves it. And his relationship with the Lord. Learn the background. What are their main needs? Really listen to people to try to understand what's the main need. Where does it really hurt? You know, you can have a small splinter in here. Forget about the rest of the hand. Where's the real pain at? Right where that little, what, splinter is at. And that's what needs to be taken care of. Sometimes we're looking around people's lives all over the place and we're missing the main need. Learn what the main needs are if you can in a person's life. Then, what are their goals? Are they a person with goals? Are they an individual who wants to work and, and, and go somewhere and become something? Or are they an individual who is totally helpless? Don't have any self-worth. Don't know where they're going. They're just tossed to and fro with every little wind that comes forth. Are they highly driven? Understand something about a highly driven person. They can be so driven that they'll run over folks. And you have to teach highly driven folks how to care for other people. Because they'll run over everybody else to get to their goal. And you've got to slow them up. And that can be hard. Watch their emotional response to life. If you are going to understand people, and you're going to deal with people, and you're going to deal with your wife and your husband. You have to watch how they respond to everyday life. 
How they take the curves in life. How they take the bumps in life. How they take the disappointments in life. How they take the moments of happiness in life. How they can handle a setback. How they can handle a promotion. You want to look at all that in their life. And this begins to bring understanding about a person. When you begin to look at all this. One of the most foolish things, and I got to say this carefully, if we think we give a couple of Bible verses, that's going to set it right. By giving you two or three promises of God, I'm not saying don't do it, but understand something. A person can be in so much pain. The verses are there. But what they need is someone who understands them. Understand this. You're not God. You're not going to understand everything. But if you have a heart for the person, God will give you discernment that gives you understanding of how to minister to that person. And sometimes, in seeking understanding, you first seek permission before you barge in with a question. Because we live in a world today that says privacy, 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 privacy. And I just can't barge in. But if the person really believes that you're seeking to understand them, that you really care for them, that you really want to help them, you really want to minister to them, they begin to give you understanding. The worst thing I could ever do is try to say, I, under, I understand everything about Elaine. I don't. Sometimes I think I do and she flip-flops on me. <laughs> Sometimes I think, boy, I'm doing the right thing and then, boy, <laughs> uh-oh, I did the wrong thing. I, I told you, boy, she went off to that women's conference and I'm there watching my movie and then doing the commercial. I got the dust rag out. I started dusting and everything. I cleaned up everything. I wait for her to come in and say, oh, you dusted. <laughs> Didn't say a thing. <laughs> but my job... It's not so much to understand everything about her because God does that. My job is to love her where God is dealing with her at. Her job is to love me where God is dealing with me at. And seek to understand how I'm responding. Seeking to understand how each one is responding. That we know how to minister to each other. Amen.